Duke Energy offers these three tips for understanding your bill. The first step to keeping your bill in check is understanding what's on it. Here's what to look for. Check the number of days in your billing cycle. Most bills cover 30 days, but sometimes it varies. Bills that cover more days can be higher. Look at average kilowatt hour use per day. At first glance, your bill may look higher, but if your average use is similar to the same time last year or similar to another month with extreme temperatures, it's a normal bill. If you have a smart meter, check for a daily usage analysis tool online. Smart meters collect info by the hour, so you can check for spikes in energy use to see what appliances and behaviors are increasing your bill. This public service announcement is sponsored by Duke Energy. Duke Energy presents Stage and Stuff, promoting arts and entertainment in and around Hendricks County. Interviews conducted by Peg Glover and Deanna Hinesley, with commentary by Amy Scott and Shane Ray. Hi, welcome to Stage and Stuff. I'm Deanna Hinesley, and my co-host today is uh, Peg Glover. Hello. I'm so glad you're here, Peg, and we have a beautiful day to have this talk with our guest, don't we? We sure do, and I'm pretty excited about our guest as well. He's not only prominent in the art world in Hendricks County, he's a good friend of mine. That's even better. Mm -hmm. So you'll have lots of conversation with... I uh, was just telling Peg that I get so excited about each of these shows, just like I used to about Christmas, because each is a new guest that has new stories, and they're all interesting, and so I'm, I'm ready to talk to... Um, Brian Russellberg today. Hi. Welcome, Brian. Hi, hello. How are you? We're fine. We're glad that you came. And you're going to tell us about your pathway to your current career, which sure. started a long, long time ago. Sure. Um, well, um, my brother and I used to draw uh, cartoon characters. When we were like age four and five, we were always sketching and creating new um, uh, cartoons and images, and we had different characters that we would do, and um, they kind of evolved from there. And then, um, then uh, as we both got older, my brother started getting more into writing, and I uh, actually saw a photograph by a French photographer, Henri Cartier-Bresson, and uh, couldn't believe the depth and the detail in a photo. And so I started looking at photography a little bit and ended up building my own darkroom. And then a little later than that, um, uh, was very influenced by a musical group called Yes and the artist Roger Dean and started really enjoying the album covers and realized that there is uh, some sort of a synthesis that happened from listening to the music and looking at the art at the same time. And um, then I went back to drawing again, and then I've been doing a little bit of both, mostly painting lately. So that's kind of where I'm at. It's interesting to me to know that uh, in the same family, often the same kinds of uh, skills are honed and talents are, are um, built in that same family. So you and your brother started out both in a very creative way, but went yes. different directions. Yeah, he pursued writing more, and is one of the editors for IUPY for a while. He's still writing and, and putting some things together. Um, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, I've stick. Uh, mostly with painting now, and a little photography on the side, but mostly painting. Mm -hmm. Well, and uh, that's how Peg knows you. Yes, it sure is. Uh, Brian and I got to know each other through the Hendricks County Arts Council. Mm -hmm. He is our current vice president mm -hmm. and also an amazing curator of Thank artwork. You. And one of the things that um, I would like to hear more about is mm -hmm. your current position, <laughs> but let's back up a little bit. I know that you're a graduate of the Heron School of Art. That's correct. 
did you want me to go into that? Yes, go yes. into that a little bit, okay, please. Okay, sure. Well, Heron School of Art was always a dream for me. I, uh, I just was always thought it was so um, such an amazing school and so many uh, very, very neat artists came out of that school and I always wanted to go there. And so I actually, uh, actually attended, actually, from my uh, summer, after I graduated from high school, in summer and fall. And then... Um, and then I had a job offer, and then I didn't know any better, and I just stopped at that point and pursued a career. And um, and then when uh, I was looking for scholarship offers for my own children, when I was checking around, they said that I had a grant that had not been tapped into, that it was available, and if I wanted to get into that, I could. All I had to do was write a few letters. And uh, so in my 40s, I went back to school and, and I went back and got my degree from Heron School of Art. That's wonderful. Yeah. And your 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 major career was not particularly in the art world. No. Uh, I actually worked for the U.S. Postal Service and did a lot of things there, but uh, the Postal Service, but I still through that period of time, somebody would uh, say, hey, I can't afford senior pictures. Can you shoot these? And, and so I would uh, shoot photography and uh, develop them on my own dark room in the house. And, um, or, and I always continued painting and drawing. I have sketchbooks all through the years of all the things I had painted and, and drew. But when you're raising a family and taking kids to soccer practice and band, you don't have time for those. Um, and paying bills. And paying bills and traveling Thank all God. over the place for those games. So, yes. Um, so when the opportunity came available to go back to Heron, I jumped at it. And um, uh, it, 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 I'm, I'm still very proud of that degree, that, uh, that uh, diploma. Heron is, again, just the most wonderful place ever. And great teachers. So I'm, I'm happy to have graduated. And after having raised your family and um, finished your career with the United States Postal Service, you now work for Goodwill Industries. Yeah, I was uh, I retired for about six months, and um, a friend of mine who was a manager of um, of one of the other Goodwills in town said that um, somebody had um, sold a painting at one of the Goodwill stores for five ninety nine, and then they took it to um, Antique Roadshow, who happened to be in town, who uh, said the value was $10,000. And um, at that (laughs) point, Goodwill (laughs) decided they were going to look around and see if there were some people who were knowledgeable about the arts. And so at that time, John suggested I apply. And so um, I was hired at that point. So you are an art curator. I am an art curator. I'm sorry, um, curator right. for for Goodwill Industries. Well, actually, no. I just uh, auction the art for Goodwill. So I see. right now, it's uh, about a third of the state, from about Louisville to Richmond, up to Marion, uh, across to Purdue, and then back down to Louisville is my territory. So if any of the stores uh, find anything interesting that looks like it might be of some value, they uh, email me a photo of it, and I say send it in, and then I take pictures of it and auction it. And so it's your eye oftentimes that um, picks out these pieces of art that people have donated, sometimes unwittingly. Yeah, Um, and we always ask, how does that happen? But um, in my own case, my mom, uh, when she passed away, you you know, people get what... Uh, they've always wanted and then there's some things that may not be as beautiful and then what happens to those they end up getting donated because you may not understand what they were and 
in one case, it, it was in Shelbyville. They uh, emailed me. There's a, f- a photo of a, a of a print, a numbered print, and they said, this looks like my kid drew it. Is this something you'd be interested in? Well, and I recognized it was a, a D with a very large A and an L, and I recognized the print, and it turned out to be a signed Salvador Dali print. And uh, we had it sent in, and we made about $1,800 for that print. Um, so it's not always the most beautiful. And then we tell the stores it's uh, it's kind of like a restaurant. Some people are going to like steak. Some are going to like fish. Some are just going to like salad. Everybody has their own taste. So art isn't always realism. It's cubism. It's impressionism. It's expressionism. It's medium. And it all suits different people's taste. Recently, you had a big discovery at Goodwill, (laughs) and uh, since we are good friends, you did send me a text, and this was... Quite a few months ago, it maybe. was de- it was December. Um, we were kind of we weren't sure. We really weren't supposed to talk about it because it could have been worth uh, millions. Um, so West Lafayette said they had a print. Was I interested in it? And they sent a picture of it. And I said, Yeah, it's Cubist. Um, yeah, please send it in because Cubism is hot. So West Lafayette was the campus goodwill, and they sent it in to me. And then. Uh, while I was taking a pictures of it, um, I tried to Google image because I didn't recognize it. It would look like um, 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 Picasso. <laughs> Picasso, I'm sorry. It looked like a Picasso <laughs> print. And then when I got to it, um, my lights were shining um, kind of a graphite pencil glare. And I realized, oh, this isn't a print. This is real. And then, you know, I was shaking a little bit. We took it out of the frame, and um, we could see where pencil marks had pressed into it. Um, And then we didn't know what to do next, so actually we contacted uh, uh, actually a few of the galleries who most of them said, no, you didn't get anything good, and just kind of blew us off. But uh, I had a friend at IU Gallery, and she says, no, you probably, this is over our pay grade. You need to contact Christie's, and Christie's suggested uh, something called ISA, International uh, Auctioneers, and I sent a photo, and then within five minutes, the person there emailed me back and says, call me, and left me a number. And then they said That suggest- must have been a, re- a big, big flag for you that says this could very well be a Picasso. It could have very well been a Picasso. It definitely was a hand-signed um, it, it, the signature was a spot-on match. It was done in pencil. It was dated from the look of the frame uh, from the 1950s, and so it's. So how did this? How did this particular Picasso, supposedly Picasso, maybe Picasso, end up in Indiana? Uh, well, <laughs> I will be real careful here, but Picasso had a little bit of a spotted past, and um, from what I understood, that a lot of times he would. Uh, draw photos or draw um, portraits of people. This happened to be a portrait of a woman, and um, you know we can kind of go from there. And um, what city did this? West Lafayette, right where Purdue University is. Okay. And we looked to see if there was any connection with Picasso and Purdue University, and not offhand, we don't we don't know. But it could be professors traveled to where he was. We don't know. Um, but ASA assigned an agent to us out of Chicago, and he wrote back and said. Uh, you know, we we can't disprove this not a Picasso. There's some troubling aspects of this, but at this point, we can't disprove it's not for real. And at that point, we brought in other people to photograph, and then they gave me Claude Picasso's address in Paris. And so we sent information to Claude. And he said, he didn't actually deny it. He said, well, I don't recognize it as exactly my dad's work. But so at this point, we can't uh, say that it's it's real. So at that point, um, we go no further. And so we end up, uh, you know, 
just auctioning that off in a regular eBay account, and it sold. So Oh, it sold? It sold. Oh. For not as much as you had hoped. but I'm uh, sure. Yeah. I'm sure. But we had to say, uh, according to Picasso, that we had to say it was an authorized uh, copy. So without his, he is the final say-so, and without his approval, then we could not... Um, you couldn't auction it as an actual Picasso. No, and then we'd be liable. Um, that's what we heard from ASA, that we'd be liable if we did and said it was. So even though I had my doubts, and I still think it was real. So I think it was real, too. I do, too. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, any other big names? You've dropped Salvador Dali and Picasso, so... Yeah, well. In June, we got a William Forsyth, and I graduated from Heron, and he was one of the uh, four, uh, founders of the Hoosier Group, uh, him and uh, T.C. Steele and a few others. Um, but we had original watercolor, which we dated about 1917, because it was in uh, wavy glass, antique wavy glass. And uh, we sold that for a pretty good price. Um, we've had Lawrence Kufferman, who was one of the founding members of Modern Art. We had a original watercolor. Uh, we've also had George Arnold Gribbon, who, um, according to uh, history, with, uh, when Dwight Eisenhower was a little bit fatigued after the war, um, he was told um, that he might want to learn how to paint. And um, Churchill, Winston Churchill, suggested that to him, his name. And so uh, Gribbon gave uh, lessons to Eisenhower. And uh, so we had original um, Gribbon uh, paintings there that were sent. And one of the neatest ones we had uh, about a year ago was a guy named Reginald Marsh, who was actually born in France, um, kind of a Rockwell, Norman Rockwell kind of etching guy. And he liked to, to do etchings of the seedier sides of New York City in the 20s and 30s. And he had a um, he had an etching, you know, called shave haircut and a beer. And um, so it was a, a etching of like three floors of a, of a bar. And you can see a guy in the, a Navy guy looking at his tattoo on his shoulder. And you can see a guy eating noodles upstairs and, you know, the guy chugging a beer. And it's just wonderful, like a Rockwell of kind of a thing. And we, we did fairly well on that one, too. How interesting. I would very much be interested in how Goodwill does nationally with this. Because oftentimes, mm-hmm. and I have forewarned my children, that mm-hmm. when I go, when I pass, yeah. <laughs> don't put my stuff in a garage sale because right. there's some really valuable art here. Correct. But unless um, somebody knows who's taking on that, right. they, they may well just give it to, to Goodwill or give it to... It, yeah, that's the thing about art. We, I think we're, we tend um, to look at thing as, things as realism and say, oh, we judge it on realism. But, uh, you know, art is wonderful. And, and like I mentioned before, the cubism can be wonderful. And a lot of times I go to galleries just to look at the different styles. It lifts my spirits and um, just different varieties and different ways artists paint um, are, uh, I just think, are wonderful. So for those of us who don't know much about the language of art, yeah. can you define a couple of things for me? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what is cubism? Okay. And then the second thing is many of us don't exactly know what a curator does. So okay. if you could tell us about those two things. Sure. Cubism, uh, when everything was about realism back in the 1800s, um, they were actually making fun of Impressionists because they always thought, well, this is a painting that's not done. It's more of a feeling. And in and I'll mention Impressionism before I get to that, that Impressionism is more what you feel instead of what you see, uh, which was different from realism. And so Picasso and, and um, George Brock came along and they wanted to take all the uh, textures and layers out and flatten things. 
um, which is a, there's an army term called avant-garde. And avant-garde is um, basically about the guy who walks the point in front of a group of men. And so uh, when he walks into an area, guess who the first one is to get shot? Uh, it's him. And so anybody who leads um, is probably up for ridicule. The first of the Impressionists, in this case, George Brox and, and, and Picasso. I they, love that. I will take that with me. That is a great analogy. And then I everything catches up. Yeah, everything mm-hmm. catches up after that. And then everybody goes on to that and tries it. And then meanwhile, even today, you still have people practicing avant-garde and say, this is crazy. What is this? And then the rest of the world catches up. I always thought avant-garde was just French for forward of your times. (laughs) But now that you explain it that way, it certainly makes a lot of sense. And a curator, what it does um, is is actually he oversees everything about an art show. So when I'm curating, it's not unusual for me to go out almost a year out and uh, take a look and see who our market is, advertise, uh, look and see who... Uh, we're going to be getting from musicians how we're going to be taking care of the food and then emailing artists and then uh, just sending general information out about uh, what we're doing and our goals. And um, and it's pretty much doing everything you can think of. And then when the show starts, uh, I end up hanging all the art um, and overseeing everything, labels, just to make sure everything is uh, is is good. I'm I'm a bit of a perfectionist, and I want to make sure everything is good, and I oversee everything. So, well, speaking of such, your your upcoming show, Make an Impression, mm-hmm. is for high school students. So, tell us a little bit about that. Well, a few years ago, there was a, an educator in Hendricks County, and she passed away and left some uh, money. Uh, for the Arts Council entrusting us to give to a a deserving art student. And then since we'd already been having the Reflected Light shows... um, Which, by the way, Reflected Light is a midsummer art show. Correct. And that's for professionals as well as amateur artists of any age, basically. Correct. It's It's actually an open show. It is juried, so the best art gets in, but it is for any age from what we say high school up to 99. And we actually did have a 95-year-old artist in that show one year, which we thought was (laughs) awesome um but it's for everybody um and yeah so so just to be clear you do two a year correct and uh reflected light is your summer show reflected light is the summer show make an impression is your fall correct it's in november and so we took those funds the first year and and decided to make a, a a show where we can showcase all the high schools. We have football, baseball, basketball games competing uh, with all the sports, but why don't we do that with the arts? And so we had all the high schools in Hendricks County uh, and the teachers submit up to eight to 10 artists from each uh, school to submit to us up to two pieces of art, which should be juried by artists in the area or art instructors, professors. And then so uh, about 70 artists, I think, is what we had last year. And uh, we award the first uh, place in each division of painting, print, and then the third division is 3D art. And uh, then we also award called a Juror's Award, which is a uh, award for uh, generally a good piece of art. Now, these first place winners get monetary awards. Correct. We uh, we usually submit uh, about $400, uh, you know, to either scholarship fund or whatever they want to use it for. So, All right, supplies? Supplies, anything they want. And it's usually from businesses or different um, charities around Hendricks And sponsors. County. And sponsors. 
Yeah, and different people want to contribute. And um, it's held in different places. Um, and right now, this year, it will be at the Plainfield Public Library. And it's always so exciting. I have been a couple of times, and I get real excited with this because it's not just art from uh, uh, high school students. It's an event. It is. And it's a public event. It's open to the public. Correct. And it's uh, entertainment and food. Correct. Uh, so when we do reflected light, it's a little bit more of an upgrade, you know, nicer food, the food that looks more like artistic stuff. However, when we're catering to a high school group, most of our uh, audience are high stu- school students, and uh, so our food is usually pizza and then the entertainment. Oh, well, uh, you, yeah, you, well, you have some pretty good desserts there, too, <laughs> like, like the chocolate fountain. Oh, we had a chocolate yes, fountain, correct. Some nice things there. <laughs> But there's a lot of really cool things. And so over the the years, we've had uh, choirs from the schools. And uh, one year we had a, a musician uh, a DJ who just made unusual sounds with the soundboard. And uh, it's actually quite beautiful. Um, and we wish we had him again. He's living in Los Angeles now. But uh, <laughs> um, so we have choirs, we have different music. And so it's a, it's a fun event. So we have uh, wonderful art hanging on the walls, uh, good food. And, uh, a lot of good recognition for these young artists yes. who do so well. And that's a question that I had. Do you see some of these artists going on to do something else if they've yes. done well at that show? Yeah, I've been asked to kind of keep track of some of these artists and see what they're doing. Uh, one year we had a student, um, well, actually she's studying for engineering, and uh, so she won the art show. I'm sorry, I don't have her name off the top of my head, but she won the art show one year in painting, and uh, and now she's an engineer at Purdue, or studying to be an engineer. So uh, I think those two work together well. Um, but yeah, these students go back, and um, and I'm sure probably when the cycle's done and they've um, come all the way back around, who knows, they may be teaching some of these classes That'd and to some thing. of the students, yeah. And the Plainfield Library has a nice gallery. They do. And uh, it's hung. Is that correct? How long, how long does the art I, stay up? This year, the opening event will be November 8th, which is a Friday night, which is free. It's 6 o'clock until about 9 o'clock. And the art will be hung the week of before, but it'll remain hung through the 30th of November. So when you're off on your Thanksgiving breaks, you can come in there and bring the family in and take a look at the art, too. That is pretty exciting. And um, I think you're also open to kids who are homeschooled. Uh, yeah, that's something that's been suggested to us. And yeah, we uh, which is, makes it awkward right now for the teachers. And But I'm not opposed to that. That's correct. Yeah. And so any student who's really interested might be able to, even though if they attend a high school, they need to go through their art teacher. Correct. But um, if they want more information, there's a Facebook page. There is a Facebook page. It's called Make an Impression, uh, and I think you'll find it. And uh, it's called Competition, Make an Impression Competition. Um, it's there. I, I want to mention something quickly about that, what you said about students approaching the teachers even. We had a, a student who just turned 14 in the adult show, Reflected Light, this year. Um, one of the newspaper writers who used to cover reflected light sent me a picture of this student's art and says, is this somebody you'd be interested in? And I, I said, absolutely. And so here's the contact information. So I, uh, she had drawn perfect pencil drawings of uh, John and, and, and Paul of the Beatles. They were perfect, perfectly drawn. And 
uh, when some of the artists came in to reflect at light, they said, I'm so jealous um, how this student <laughs> drew these so well. I've been drawing for 30 years and I can never draw that well. And so I asked this young lady, because our, our uh, line for age is 14. I said, well, how old are you? She said, I just turned 14, and we were so happy to get her in the show. <laughs> and what I understand is she's a student at Plainfield, and I'm sure her teachers are very happy to have her there, too. So hopefully she's in the show this year. And I've asked her to talk to her teachers and see if she can't get in the uh, Make an Impression show this year. I will look for that. Yeah. Well, I think uh, these kids go through actually two, two judging uh, periods. First of all, to get in the show. Correct. And then it's also a juried show. Correct. So could you tell us a little bit about um, sure. the jury? Yeah. So when we first started this, there was a lot of legwork because we had to go to the, many of the school superintendents, and then we went to the principals who then suggested it to the teachers. At first, it was a little bit slow going, and now we've had 100% um, participation for the last five years, 100%. So the teachers have to decide which students are going to be in the show, and uh, which uh, which work is the best. So um, so they have to be picked, and if they don't get picked, we've actually had students who brought work in, and um, there's no signature, and we can't let them in the show, which is unfortunate, but there's uh, they have to be sponsored by both their parent and by a teacher. So that's the first line. And then once they get hung on the wall, then the jurors um, break it down into groups of painting, which is also includes uh, pencil drawing, graphite drawing, uh, colored pencil, um, and then pastels, watercolors, enamels, oils. That is one group, which is usually the largest group. And the second group is print, which could be photo, could be video, it could be uh, etching, it could be engraving, uh, it could be many things. It's, it's just a print category. And the third category is 3D, which is ceramic or sculpture or uh, installation. And we've really had amazing artists in, in actually all of those uh, things. So yeah, they get juried, and then the jurors come in and pick what they think is the best and award the money. And I think they, for the most part, have done an amazing job of it. And the people who serve on your jury are very qualified. Correct. They're, we don't. Um, we usually look for people who are either uh, teaching college uh, or artists who've been around for 30, 40 years that teach themselves um, or heads of departments. Uh, we... We look for people with master's degrees or even doctor's degrees to do um, as far as the juring. And so we feel pretty satisfied that we get the right jurors. Well, I have a question about the hanging of the pictures okay. because I assume that when you hang those pictures, you have a plan in mind, yeah. pictures that are complementary to each other or correct. even other kinds of artwork that would be with a painting or... That's correct. Kind of group. Well, actually, Laura Appleby hangs the art for the library show. I just curate as far as bringing the students in and, and make sure everything is running well. Then she does the hanging part. But for reflected light, yeah, um, a lot of people have asked, can they help me? Uh, to be honest with you, uh, I kind of like to go in, shut the door uh, without any uh, body around, maybe put a little music and just kind of feel my way around and say, well, I think this is the best and I think this complements that and this works well with that. And um, and usually it works pretty well. Um, we've, we've had... Uh, I've told the artists, you, they say, I've done a good job. But I said, if you have art like that, <laughs> you make me look good. There's, I mean, what are you going to do when you have this amazing Hoosier Salon quality art hanging in there? So all I have to do is hang it up. And, but we do kind of match things up and have themes. And um, Well, along the same line of questioning that Deanna has been asking you, explain to us uh, Hoosier Salon. 
Okay, well, Hoosier Salon is a juried event in town. Um, and when they, you say in town, you mean Indianapolis? In Indianapolis, okay. correct. And so, yeah, it's a juried show, and they pick who's going to be in the show. Uh, the nice thing about Hoosier Salon is once you're in Hoosier Salon, you can always be considered a Hoosier Salon artist. Um, it is the best of the best. So it's it's a prestigious? Very prestigious, yeah. And of the reflected light, usually we have about seven or eight of the Hoosier Salon artists take part That's in That's impressive. Show. It is impressive that I, I feel honored that I'm entrusted each year to hang their art. The crazy thing is, is I would handle a piece of art and then I would see it in a gallery somewhere in the state, a prestigious gallery, and it's the same piece that I may have hung wow. and it's hanging somewhere in a gallery or with a purple ribbon in the state fair, which which I you know, I always feel honored and uh, you know, fairly humbled by that that they entrust us for these uh, these art pieces. Yeah, well, if it weren't pe- for people like you with a great eye for art, much would go unnoticed. And I suspect through your goodwill work, many of those pieces would end up in, in trash. <laughs> I, I would like to, if I could, share a story about one of the artists that's in Reflected Light. Um, and if I don't know if I have time, but his... You do. Uh, he was... Um, one year we were holding the show. Reflected Light used to bounce around, and we still would like to do that and go in different locations. But we went to Newcastle one year, and we're having the show there, and this young man walks in and says, here, I, I have this to submit. And we said, oh, my goodness. And it was uh, welded steel uh, sculptures, and they were just absolutely beautiful he said uh, a lot of times artists don't have any idea of the quality they're dealing with and he said is this good <laughs> we said yeah it's very good well let me go in the car and get another one so we went out the car and says is this good we said yeah and it's good and we said what what are you doing with the uh, he said well um, um my wife is teaching right now i'm instead of having child care i'm staying home with the kids and when they get to bed i weld art in the in the, in the garage and I said, you've never shown anywhere. And he says, absolutely not. And then, um, so he came to our summer reflected light show. And then many of the Hoosier salon artists said, oh my goodness, where have you been? And um, and they suggested he gets into the Hoosier salon himself. And uh, we suggested he get into the Richmond art show, which is a lot of sculpture there. And he ended up winning the event. <laughs> and we said, well, what were you doing with the art before? And he said, I was just giving it away. And everybody went, oh, you know, and so how are your finances? Well, we struggle like everybody else. He says, not anymore if you sell this. And his art is, uh, so we've had the pleasure of those kinds of things in the art show that it seems like even in the summertime, I will stumble across artists or they'll stumble across me. And um, and I always think that's more than chance. I I like those happy accidents. And the thing I think that gives me the most joy in those shows is to show off the art ability of the artist in the area. And I and you do and you do it very you. well. Thank you. One more time for our listeners, just talk a bit about um, uh, make an impression. The date okay. and the place. Sure, November eighth. It will be at the. Plainfield uh, Guilford Township Library. It's on 1120 Stafford, in right in downtown Plainfield. Uh, it opens at six. It is a free event, and uh, it's November 8th, Friday. It will run through the 30th. But the event, uh, the artist will be there. Will be no- November 8th. And Deanna and I have both been to the event, and we love it. We do. In fact, I'm glad you gave this the date today. I've written it down, and I will be there, and I'll know what to look for now. Awesome. So thank you for educating me a little well, bit on, on what uh, what goes on into an show like that. So well, we appreciate you. you you being here today, Brian. Thank well, you. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I love having you here. It's great. <laughs> 
And Peg, I think you already have our next guest. Oh, up, I do. You? And Listen I'm so excited because our next guest is going to be a guy that I graduated from Ball State with. We used to do theater together at Ball State many years ago, more years than I'm going to mention. But his name is Bob Harbin. And uh, his claim to fame is that uh, he was the casting director for Fox Network. And I believe wow. his first casting step out was L.A. Law. And Doogie Howser's another one. It can go on and on and on and on and on. He became quite successful as a casting director in Los Angeles. And when he retired, decided to come back to Indiana. And now he does Bob Directs. He's got a, a show called Cinderella coming up. So he's agreed to be our guest next month. Well, how nice. We're glad he came back home, aren't we? We are. <laughs> well, again, thank you for being with us today. And uh, we got another exciting and interesting and educational program today. Duke Energy offers these tips for understanding your bill. Check the number of days in your billing cycle. Most bills are for 30 days, but there are times when the billing cycle is shorter or longer. If there are more days in the bill, it could be higher. Look at average kilowatt hour uses per day. At first glance, your bill may look higher, but if your average use is similar to the same time last year or in a month with similar extreme temperatures, it's a normal bill. Residential customer service specialists are available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. by calling 1-800-521-2232.